Well, hey there. Welcome to Inside Redemption. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm one of the pastors in Redemption at Redemption Gateway. And it's my pleasure to welcome you here to today's podcast. Inside Redemption is a podcast where we're trying to take you inside the background of what's going on inside Redemption Church. Redemption is one church at this point, 10 congregations across the state of Arizona. And there's a lot of you that would listen to this that just would be pretty intrigued by some of the people that are involved in our family of congregations, as well as how it works. And so that's what we're doing is every month we're just having conversations with interesting people that I really think if you got to know them, you would appreciate them and appreciate even more of what's going on uh, inside and across Redemption. So that's what this is about. And today I'm really excited to welcome Josue Lopez. Josue is one of the lead pastors at Redemption West Mesa. He's got a fascinating story. I think you're going to be really encouraged just to hear about his story growing up, growing up in the faith, uh, how he came to Arizona, uh, what his role is. And I, I mean, man, Redemption West Mesa is just such an interesting congregation. It's It truly is probably the most unique in a number of different ways. And I'm so glad that they're part of our family and that we get to be part of their family. And so I think you're going to be encouraged as we talk about a lot of different stuff. So Josue, welcome to the Inside Redemption podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. That intro was amazing, man. Yeah. I don't know if I can accomplish what you say, but let's try. <laughs> well, man, every time I'm around you, I realize that there is a deeper well in you than I think probably a lot of people realize at first glance. And I don't know if some of that is because, you know, English is your second language. And so you tend to be a little bit slower to speak up when we're in meetings and probably a bunch of people like me always, you know, talking louder and first and over you and stuff like that. But man, when you speak, I, I've really learned, I got to listen because there's, there's a lot coming out when, when, when he talks. Thank you. Thank you. And definitely uh, English is my second language is still learning and practicing and uh, thank you for your patience and that. So, but I'm ready to talk. Thanks for your patience. Cause my <laughs> Spanish, if, if, if I do this in Spanish, it'd be a very short interview. Well, it would be like this. ¿Cómo estás? Estoy muy bien. Gracias por tenerme con nosotros. Es un privilegio, es una bendición poder estar contigo hoy. Gracias. <laughs> See, I don't really, you lost me there uh, about halfway through your answer. So you're obviously ahead of me. So man, thank you. So you grew up speaking Spanish because you grew up where? I grew up in Mexico. Uh, and, uh, my city is Hermosillo, six hours driving from, from Phoenix, uh, south. And uh, yeah, I grew up there. Um, my family was a believer, Christians, both sides of my family. So that is very unique for a Mexican. Okay. have a bunch of Christians around you your whole life. So. That's unique because why? Because 95% of Mexico, they are Catholic. Yeah. So I'm like in the 5%, both families Christian around me. So that was. Yeah. So a lot of people coming from some sort of faith background, probably not a ton of strong atheistic folks, though I'm sure there's like anywhere people that are you know, say they believe this or that, but really just kind of functionally live more like there's no God. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But you grew up around, around Christians. What was the neighborhood like that you grew up in? It was, um, um, how do I explain that? Nice, quiet neighborhood. Um, I would say it was middle class neighborhood. So I have that privilege to, to yeah. go on there. Yeah. So, um, if, if I go find Josue at 10 years old, you come home from school and I go find you, where would I find you after school? Maybe playing basketball in, in the backyard or 
and the park. Okay, you had a hoop at home? I used to have one at home okay. outside and uh, and the electric pole right there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you hung so, up a hoop? That's yep, pretty cool. Yeah, and mostly the park, but I love to play basketball. Nice. So if you were if I went down to the park and found you, would you be kind of grinding it out, taking shots by yourself? Would there be folks you were playing with? What would that No, it like? was a bunch of friends. Okay. Bunch of friends. There. Bunch of ballers. Yeah. yeah. How did you get into basketball? Uh, I was sitting so in sixth grade when in my Christian school, that's interesting too. I grew up and going to a Christian school. Okay. Uh, they put a, the court for the first time huh. and I get in love with the game. Wow. So e- even if you live in the north of Mexico, you don't play soccer match. You play baseball okay. or you play basketball. Okay. Kind of soccer is new right now and it's a big thing right now. But back in the day, it was baseball or basketball. Did you play both or just basketball? I play both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, um, did you have a favorite player in basketball? Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. In 94, when they play against the Suns, Phoenix Suns, I was the only one rooting for the Phoenix Suns and I know the rest of the country are Mexicans. I'm going with Michael Jordan. Back really? But you were rooting for the Suns? Back in the day, yeah. Why? I don't know. The Lord had stirred I, in your heart. He was preparing a future he, for you. He was preparing For, for real, though. What, what made that happen? I don't know. I get in love with Barkley and Kevin Johnson. So, okay, yeah. That was weird <laughs> for me, but I was the only one. How about that? <laughs> now, do you have brothers and sisters? I have two uh, sisters younger than me. Okay. So, you're the firstborn. I was the firstborn. Firstborn son. And your dad was a pastor. That sounds like a recipe for pressure. <laughs> it was. Was it? It was, yeah. My parents, they meet in the seminar. Okay. And they get married, and then they start planning a church, and then I was born right there. Wow. Did they grow up in a Christian evangelical home? My dad, I think so, when he was kids, that my great-grandma took him to church. Oh, wow. And for my mom, her, her older sister, I think she started attending youth group, and that's when she started going to church. Oh, wow. So, and so your mom went to seminary also? Yeah. Wow. What was she hoping to do with that? Was she going to be a pastor? No, 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 no. She just wanted to learn the Bible? And- yeah, learn the Bible and do uh, children's ministry. Okay. It was in her heart, and to this day, she's still doing children's ministry. So. Wow. And so they met, fell in love, planted a church. Was it your dad's full-time role as a pastor? If you're um, in Mexico, you're a full-time pastor, but you have another job too. <laughs> so that's the way to do it. What was his other job? We used to have in our house a printer. Okay. So I remember going to the bed and my dad working later uh, with the printer. So. so you just said something pretty interesting. If you're in Mexico, you were a full-time pastor, but you had another job. Yeah. What does that mean, full-time pastor? Well, I would say like the economy and the way that you support your family. That's for the work side. But in the pastor, uh, our culture demands a lot for us. Okay. So I remember people going, knocking the door three o'clock in the morning and they want to talk to my dad about something. So uh, Saturdays, Sundays, yeah, always have somebody in my house. They want help. <laughs> so, what was that like? Uh, different. Yeah. Um, I remember my only vacation is going to conference. Okay. Or when he was preaching out of the city. Okay. So, yeah, that was very interesting. And made me to not take the decision to not go into the seminar. 
<laughs> so I took a different route and I went and took a degree in business administration. Okay. So being around all of that yeah. all the time made you go, eh, this isn't for me. I want to go a different direction. Definitely. Huh. What, um, what was your experience like of church growing up? Well, because of my two families being believers, I always have a lot of relatives around me, family. Uh, it was it was a church, maybe like 200 people, 250 people. It was okay. a big church. Yeah, that's uh, a large church. And, uh, but a lot of them were my family. Okay. But uh, it was fun for me, really, to be honest. It was, it was fun to be in that environment and learn a lot about Jesus. And, and yeah, it was, I would say it was fun. Mm. When do you think you met Christ personally? When I was 15 years old in a summer camp. Okay. That's when I figured it out. I know it was too late for me, but it was <laughs> when I figured it out, like, well, I don't have a relationship with God. Like mm. I knew about God. I knew the stories of the Bible, but at that point it feels like I don't have a relationship with him. So before that, do you think, would you have thought that you did have a relationship with him? Yeah, because I was in the church. I know the stories of the Bible and mm. I was in a Christian school too. So around Christians a lot. Sure. So I say uh, I'm in the crowd too. What happened that made you realize, ah, I actually don't have a relationship with Jesus? It was one sermon, and, I, and uh, the, the guy was preaching there, told us, like, if you don't have a relationship, a personal, he said personal, is when he got me. Mm. Like, my dad is a pastor, my mom do ministry, and but I don't have a relationship with him. Wow. So that was the big moment for me, to understanding the gospel, really, for the first time. Yeah. So sometimes when people grow up in the church and kind of know all the stuff and they come to that realization, sometimes it's hard for their family to accept it. Sometimes family members go, wait a minute, you, when you were five, you prayed to da da da. Was it, uh, what was it like for your folks when you told them, Hey, you know what? I actually, I think I just now am kind of having a real relationship with God. I always say it was maybe not a surprise for them. Uh, <laughs> they knew you weren't saved. <laughs> <laughs> but I always say because they love me mm. and uh, and they protect me even for the church. Uh, like, talk against me or they told me like, even you're a pastor kid, but you have freedom. Yeah. And you can commit uh, like false or whatever, but we have freedom and grace. Yeah. So I always say, I will use the word grace. They understand me that. Okay. So, so they were happy about it. They were happy about it. Rejoicing in it. Totally. That's totally. really cool. Your dad was like, well, I wasn't the one preaching, but that's okay. <laughs> I never asked that question. <laughs> it will be cool asking. But yeah. yeah. So your desire to do business wasn't like, hey, I'm trying to get out of the church and I'm trying to get away from Jesus. It was just going, yeah, I don't think being a pastor is for me. Yeah. I would say I took that route because it was the easy one for me. Okay. Not because I was looking to do business. Were you a good student? I would say I was a student. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like school? I would say I went to school and have a degree. Okay. So I'm not like... I think, uh, I think we're hearing what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can understand this stuff, but yeah. I don't... Yeah. I don't used to love much yeah. attention. And stuff, but so where did you go to college? I went to uh, Universidad uni de Sonora. Yeah. Universidad de Sonora in Mexico, in Hermosillo. Okay. So, yeah. I was there. What is, what is that school known for? Uh... Business administration, okay. uh, even some engineering, like construction okay. and stuff like that. It's the biggest one in Sonora, okay. so the state. So it was, it was a big deal. 
yeah. to be there. And also play like my first semester for the basketball team over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But just one semester and okay. I was, it was hard. So okay. one semester. What's your, uh, what's your specialty in basketball? Point guard. Okay. I'm a point guard. That makes sense. Cause I just, I see you now and I feel like everywhere you go, you kind of make other people better. Oh, just kind of what a good point guard does. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea to make people better than, but I love being point guard. Yeah. Was it disappointing for your family that you weren't pursuing uh, ministry? vocational ministry? Not really. Okay. Not really. Uh, yeah. I don't think so. So you graduate in business administration and then what? So um, when I was 19 years old, uh, my dad passed away. Mm. So we sold all the stuff from the printer because even I don't want to do nothing with that stuff. And but at that point I was working already in the government okay. in Mexico, and uh, so uh, I still I was working there. And um, my dad passed away in '99, mm. that summer of '99. He he was 14, four years old. 44. 44. Wow. Right now I'm 44. Wow. So that's. It's been a very weird year for me thinking in that a lot. Yeah. So, so talk. So, when your dad passed away, was that a surprise? It was a surprise. It was a heart attack. Yeah. And uh, a lot of our pastors in Mexico, they suffer that stuff. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. You've told me that before. That's, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's obviously really sad, but it's fascinating. You said a lot of Mexican pastors die young. Yeah. Um, I would say because of the pressure hmm. and not resting and try to provide for your family too. It's hard. So, uh, so wow. yeah, it was, it was hard. But at the time, at that year, I met the guy who helped me a lot with the last thing on my dad. Yeah. And, and he used to be a missionary there. Okay. And work for East Valley Bible Church. Okay. And remind me his name. Mike Posh. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, so Mike Posh was at East Valley Bible Church which is now Redemption Gilbert. Yeah. And he had a connection with your dad. Well, he never met my dad. Okay. He went to our church when my dad used to be the pastor there. Okay. So, and, and he went with the mission of race leaders. Okay. And I was one of them. Okay. So as when I got more involved in ministry, I was leading worship at that time. Okay. And doing some youth ministry. But when he went to there, helped me to develop more of my Abilities to lead and, and serve the Lord. So. so was your dad's passing, was that something that the Lord used to make you want to do more ministry? Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that was? Because I saw how he gave his life for the ministry. Mm. But at the same time, I was afraid to do the same thing. Sure. Yeah, I would think that maybe it might make you want to distance yourself from ministry. But one of the first things that I learned here in America, when I came, is from Tom Shader. He says, like, you don't need to die for the church. Mm. Jesus died for the church. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. So, in a way, you really feel like you did, your father did kind of die for the church. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, you start getting into ministry um, through Mike Posh mm -hmm. and through the local church there. Yeah. Who took over the leadership when your dad passed? Jose Manuel Hernandez, okay. the guy who leads Ponte Vida here in, in, in Chandler. Okay, so, so Jose Manuel uh, takes over for your dad. Yeah. And that's how Mike Posh and yeah, him developed a relationship? Yeah. 
So we want to, because I know this history, but yeah. I want to kind of give people some of this history. So, um, so we've got a couple different lines of thinking here. So you're starting to lead worship. You're starting to develop more ministry, have more of a vision, possibly. At that point, were you starting to think, maybe I want to be a pastor? Maybe, yeah. Okay. And so what happened next? Interesting, too. Jose Manuel was my third grade teacher. Okay. In the Christian school. So I knew Jose Manuel pretty much my whole life. Okay. And then he took over for my dad's church. He was one of his closest friends. And I started leading worship from Jose Manuel. So Mike came to our church and he started raising leaders. And then he got the, the invitation to come here to America and start something with the Latino community. Jose Manuel did? No, Mike, Mike did. Okay. Mike did. So yeah. Mike comes uh, to the U.S. Yeah. from Mexico, mm -hmm. starts doing some work here among Latinos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, he was my best man in my wedding. Oh, really? And the next day is when he moved and started working with uh, his body Bible church and, and with the idea to plan a Spanish church in Chandler or Gilbert or that area. Okay, so when you met him, he wasn't at Redemption yet? No, at East Valley no yet. not yet. Okay. Yeah. So he comes here, starts a ministry, and that starts going pretty well. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, I need some help with some other people to do this? Yeah. Yeah, and they first bring Jose Manuel, and somebody else took over to in our church, and they they decided to invite me to and, and start working here. Okay, too. so Jose Manuel and you move up to uh, to Arizona. Yeah. How how long of a how old were you at that point? I was twenty six. Okay, so what were you doing in that six or seven years in that period of time? I was in my church, leading worship and working, and uh, doing business stuff. Well, working for the government. Oh, okay. What so, was your role in the government? I was part of the. How do you say in English? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um, the city hall. Okay. I was part of the city hall and working for the department of the parks and recreation, and cleaning for the from the city. Okay. But I was doing most the administration part, like payrolls and uh, plans, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, so you're doing that, working in the church. Um, when they first brought up the idea of, hey, why don't you come to the U.S. and help with this ministry, what were, what did you think? I laugh. You laugh? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's because I was not a pastor there. So I knew that if I came here, I need to be a pastor to cross the border with a legal status. Okay. So I, I say it's not not going to happen. I so you laugh not because it was like, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. But more like this just isn't going to work out. And even back there, I used to have a really good job. Okay. And my wife used to have a really good job. And when we came to America, it's just for vacations. <laughs> yeah. So I love that part. Like, oh, I know America and I like it, but I don't know if I want to live there. Sure. But uh, then Mike presented the opportunity and we decided to try and, and went to the American consulate asking for that specific uh, visa. Okay. And so uh, at that point, you said you're married. Yeah. When did you get married? 2004. Okay. No, 2002. Okay. Yeah. How did you and your wife meet? She, we met in a church. Okay. She came to our church when she was 15 years old, but we never be in the same group of friends. Okay. We kind of start looking to each other when we're maybe... 20 something. So we've never been the same <laughs> group of friends. So, 
So you get married and you're living still in Hermosillo. Yeah. And then it's like, Hey, why don't you come to Arizona? The doors open up. You decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come. Yeah. Uh, so the church needs, they need to ask you to the American consulate. We want this guy here because of this and that situation. And, okay. and so I went to the American consulate in Nogales okay. and the lady who met me and uh, did, did the appointment to me. She told me like, you're not a pastor. So there's no way they're going to give you the visa, mm, okay. but wait, that was seven o'clock in the morning. And she told me like, just wait over there. Like, like not just, we'll call you in a couple of weeks, but no. like go sit over Let's there. Sit over there. <laughs> and it was me and my wife and my boy at that point, he was two years old. Okay. And we wait all the way to three o'clock. Oh my goodness. And then she, she asked me, I come and I get close to her and like, I'm going to give you the visa. And she told me, I don't know. I don't understand why, but I'm going to give you the visa. And I say, well, I know why. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she stamped my passport with the visa and that's it. So I got a visa now and I need to move to America. And it was a visa to work? To work. Specifically at East Valley Bible Church at that point. Wow. So, yeah. And to this day, you don't really know why. She don't know why. I <laughs> knew there was the Lord opened yeah. the door, but uh, it was very interesting that she said, like, I don't understand why I'm going to give you the visa. Okay. So, and so what year was this that you came? 2004, December of 2004. Okay. How was your English at that point? Horrible. And it, the next five years get worse. Really? Yeah. Because we was doing uh, the Spanish only church. Okay. And I was learning Spanglish. Mm. And then I noticed like, well, that's not English. And so I feel like that went down there. Wow. So <laughs> did you take some English in school at all? I took Chris Amaro on my side and we <laughs> figured it out together. How wow. communicate. How about that? Yeah. So you came here not knowing much English, moved to the U.S. You'd been here, you said, for vacations and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. What, uh, man, what was it like when you guys, like, moved here? What did that feel like? It, it was interesting, um, and especially, I would say, for my wife, because she was working there. And when she came here, she was not allowed to work. She was mm -hmm. under my visa. Okay. She can stay home, she can drive, and she can live here by not working. So for her, it was a big step to now stop working. But it was a blessing at the same time taking care of my, my son. Uh, but it was interesting to learn how to live here uh, because we came just on vacations, spend money, but now we need to save money. So <laughs> yeah. pay bills and all that kind of stuff. That was different. So other than the language, what were some of the hardest things Community to, to change? Community, family. Hmm. Uh, understanding the community and how they live here. Uh, yeah. Even in the church. Sure. Even under East Valley Bible Church was different community yeah. there. So for me. Yeah. So coming from outside, not knowing the language, not knowing the community or the culture. Sure. Well, and I would think, I mean, the church you, you left, if you said it was a few hundred people, a lot of them were family and probably the ones that weren't technically family felt like family. Yeah. And then here you are kind of in this new place where even tight knit communities probably aren't as tight as what you had. Yeah. And uh, 
something that was, I would say, good for me. Like nobody knew me here. Huh. Over there, because my dad was new in the city. Yeah. Any place, oh, this is Manuel Lopez Juan. Okay. Not even Josue. <laughs> this is Manuel Lopez Juan. But I came here like, well, I can make my own name. Now. Yeah. So that was, that was refreshing for me. Mm. Even be a part of the church and most of the people don't know me. Yeah. So how, when you came here, how long did you think you were going to be here? Like, did you think I'm moving here for life or I'll be here for a few years and then go back? What did you think? No, I would say we move it for life. Really? Yeah. Wow. What gave you that sense of it? When, yeah, when we received the invitation to come here to America and we saw the door open, me and my wife, we think like, no, that's it. Hmm. We're going and we're not going. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. So um, what was your role in that ministry with Jose Manuel? I was leading worship too and doing uh, student ministry stuff. Uh, and from East Valley Bible Church, I was doing a lot of mission trips to Mexico. Okay. So, so you, we, were, you were headed back south quite a bit. Yeah. Ever to Hermosillo? Mm, uh, not really. We went to Caborca, close to Rocky oh, Point. that's right. So you never got to take a group from East Valley back to your stopping no, grounds? No. That would have been fun. That would have been fun. But we did a lot of mission trips together with my church in Mexico. Okay. So when we went to Caborca, yeah. uh, we took people from Hermosillo, and from Phoenix and we're together there. So that was, okay. that was a lot of fun. So it, initially when you came, Ponte Vida was like a, it was like a ministry of East Valley Bible Church. At some point it was sent out to be its own church, which it still is today. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, had you officially been recognized as a pastor? Then? Yeah. Yeah. At that point I was recognized as a pastor at Ponte Vida. And that was in 2009 when uh, Tyler asked me like, I think Ponte Vida is moving out, but we want for you to stay. Okay. And that decision was more hard than moving from Mexico to America hmm. because I'm leaving uh, the leadership of Jose Manuel. He's like my family and leaving Ponte Vida. So it was kind of depressed for a couple months to take that decision and stay with uh, his Valley Bible Church. Yeah, so Ponte Vida goes, yeah. you stay behind. And uh, try to sort of for a little bit figure out what are you going to do? For a year, it was like uh, in the limbo. Okay. Pretty much. Just, I was playing music, helping there, but not doing mash until we started the community center, the Broadway Corridor. So talk about that. What was the Broadway Corridor, so, that community center? 2000, uh, end of 2009, we started uh, Danielle Bannister. Uh, she started this new ministry, the Broadway, Broadway Corridor a place where people can learn English. We have a food pantry. Uh, we have some women's Bible study and computer classes there. So we kind of build the community center and some old office over there, but we put everything and we open the doors for the community. And at that point, Chris Amaro came and started helping us in the, in the community center. Chris there. is now the, your co-lead pastor. Yeah. And so he had been doing young life in that community and um, the Broadway Center was originally a, a kind of a ministry of East Valley Bible Church, which is now Redemption Gilbert. So at some point, it seemed, if, I, if my recollection, because I, I think I kind of remember this time, Chris was doing Young Life Ministry, reaching a lot of younger people, mm -hmm. but having a heart to be able to reach their parents and their grandparents and their extended families. Um, you and others were doing ministry at the Broadway Center and seeing lots of really neat 
stuff happen, but there wasn't a real great, like, well, here's where you could go to church now. Yeah. And that's, and that was a little bit, if I understand right, the kind of, okay, well, what if you two work together to create a church for, to meet these various needs? Am I getting that story right? That's right. Totally right. Yeah. Even for Chris, it was uh, hard to connect the kids from West Mesa or that area to East Valley Bible Church and the cultural different and, but uh, he was really doing a great job over there, uh, reaching with the gospel of these kids, but not the parents. Yeah. Because the parents spoke Spanish only. The kids, some of them are bilingual, but uh, so as when I get connected with the parents and we started the Bible studies with the parents, so that was that was pretty cool, kind of uh, reaching the whole family yeah. and the community. And so at that point, if I remember right, Chris was the lead pastor. And you were kind of an associate pastor, leading worship, teaching, helping out with a lot of different stuff. For the first seven years, he was the lead pastor only. Okay. And he doesn't speak Spanish. He speaks Spanish a no. little bit. Well, <laughs> who's, is, is your English better than his Spanish? Well, we communicate always in English. So. Yeah. So there's your answer. But I'm so glad to, that he can help sure. me with my English. You know what? Yeah, for and sure. And the beginning was really hard for us to communicate it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, so he, I mean, he really needed a Spanish speaker. Yeah. And um, I think you guys have been such a, just a really great team together. Yeah, I, I, I love working with him. Uh, but now with this team, we can raise the whole family. Yeah, sure. You know. So tell us about Redemption West Mesa. So we started in 2011. I think it was the second planned church from Redemption. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, so well, I, I mean, Ponte Vida was out of East Valley Bible, yeah, and then Redemption came in 2010, in 2010, and then yeah, and we started in 2011, uh, and we decided to do uh, bilingual worship together, and then we separate the people to teach in English and in Spanish. Okay, that was I think so the f- I don't think I remembered that. It was that's interesting in the early early days. Yeah, and then we figured out like. We kind of divided the church. Mm. This is not looks right. And I think so one time Chris went on vacation and I told him, let's try bilingual. <laughs> and he's like, that's your own deal, whatever. All the best ideas come when the lead guy goes on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so he went on vacation with the bilingual that, that Sunday and everybody loved it. Mm. And so I told Chris, hey, I think this is the way to go. So when you say bilingual, for someone that hasn't experienced West mm-hmm. Mesa, what does that look like? So we always have a person in the side of us helping us to say it in English or Spanish. So you always have a translator. Yeah. It's not like people are wearing headsets and no. having it translated through kind of a earpiece or something. That was one of our first ideas to have like headsets. But with uh, people is not going to feel part of the church. They're going to mm. feel like second kind of citizens. And But when we did bilingual, having another person in the side... Uh, felt like more like this is who really who we are and people fell in love with that and feel part of the church. That was the most important thing for us. So the bilingual there, you're talking mostly about the, the teaching and preaching yeah. and announcements and that sort of stuff. What does it look like on the, on the music side? Well, the music side is the easy part because we sing one verse in English and then we switch to Spanish and everybody wants to try the different language to sing. Sure. Unless for me, because I have the microphone in front of me. So I always like worry about my English. But uh, but the, even the, the teaching is kind of tricky because we have a lot of people that are bilingual. Yeah. What percentage of people in the church would you say are 
So when, when they hear both English yeah. and Spanish, they understand it both. I would say 30% are bilingual, 30% okay. of our people, including the younger generation and some of the uh, older people, they, they're bilingual. And then 30%, I would say, only Spanish speaking. Okay. And 30% only English speaking. Hmm. Wow. About a third, a third, a third. Yeah. So it's a good mix of everything there. Sure. Well, one of the things that I think is funny when I've attended is, you know, you, I think, I'm trying to think when I, I think the last time I was there, I think Chris was preaching and Saul was translating mm -hmm. into Spanish. And it was just funny because anytime there was something funny, um, people would laugh twice, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I always thought about the, the, the people that had to hear it second would probably be sitting there going, I don't know if that's really funny. <laughs> I heard everyone laugh, but I don't know if I really want to laugh at this. Well, we learn to love everybody, so we laugh twice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting, even for us preparing a sermon, like any application. Sure. I have something for the Mexican culture, but how is going to apply for the American culture? So how do you do that? Well, we think a lot, and we speak a lot, me and Chris, about how, what do you think about this idea? Is going to apply well, or is going to feel like different? So we, we communicate a lot in our sermons to... Do you always try to meet the needs of both? Or are there times when you say, you know what, I'm going to speak to the Mexican culture. And you know what, if no one else gets it, that's fine for right now. I've, I think the, the way that we see is I'm pastoring my American brothers and my Mexican brothers. So I love both of them and I need to prepare a sermon that serves well to both of them. Yeah. So I don't, I, if I sacrifice something, I don't want to feel right doing it. Sure. But because I love them, I want to do my best on my ability. And definitely the Holy Spirit is going to do the job, you know, mm -hmm. there. So yeah. but, uh, what, I, what I'm teaching, um, I see that people like, oh, this is my flock. And, yeah. and everybody's there. So. Are there ever times when you're speaking and someone translates it and you're like, that's not what I meant? Yeah, a lot <laughs> of times. <laughs> and I repeat it. Or say in a different way to help them. Okay. So, yeah. Do you ever so, stop and go, in English, here's what I meant? <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes. Have you really? Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. You know, the the our guys who are helping us is Martin Gonzalez sure. and Saul Guerrero. They're amazing. They're, yeah. it's, it's amazing how they do. So we have a lot of grace for them when they make any mistake and, sure. and try to correct. Oh, man, what a tough job. He corrected in front of the people, you know? Sure. So that's... As, yeah. So I've, I've preached, I haven't gotten to preach at West Mesa. Maybe someday I okay, will. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, I'll keep working on my Spanish. Maybe <laughs> I'll try it in that. Uh, but I have preached in other contexts in, in a place where it's translated. And I always felt like I need to speak shorter sentences and simpler. Um, the, the situation I was in, I, like I remember doing it in Turkey. Mm where almost no one spoke English. So most people didn't understand what I was saying at all. Um, but I was trying to keep it short so that it would just keep moving. I didn't want it, you know, and I didn't want the translator to have to translate a big, big yeah. long sentence. Um, but I remember feeling, const I, I don't know, I felt like ah, I've got to kind of dumb it down, uh -huh. not because these people are dumb, uh -huh, uh -huh. but because I have to talk simpler and shorter. Yeah. And I don't feel like I can really explain it as the freedom. Yeah. Do, do you we feel tied? Do you feel that way? Sometimes you feel like that, especially when like you got it there and you got the point and you want to keep going. And but then wait for yeah, 20 seconds. Wait for, they, for the 20. Yeah, exactly. 
So, man, what do you uh, just, how do you even, we need like, to even hold the your, idea. I think about like your body language as a preacher, right? Like there's just times when you're going and here we go. And then it's like, do you just sort of freeze I, I, well, <laughs> or do you kind of like pace for a minute while they're like, or how does that work? What I do is like, I try to um, write pretty much my whole sermon. Okay. That's helpful for me and for the guy who's doing the translation for me. So, so you I manuscript can, it out. Yeah. And I have my ideas, and he know where I'm going right now. Okay. So that's helpful. For sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit is talking to you, and go free it right there. Sure. Pray for you, brother. Keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I, I hear people telling me, like, I'm looking you when you say it, because I like your passion and how you say it, how you move your hands and everything. Sure. And then I look the guy who is doing the translation to understand what you're saying. Yeah. And keep the ideas and mm-hmm. put it together. Yeah. Well, I, I found, I mean, if I'm honest, it, it is a challenge. It was a challenge for me as just an English speaker to feel like there's this break every yeah. 20 seconds where it just, there was all this temptation to kind of disengage. Yeah. And that's all, that's, that's difficult for people when, it, I mean, I, I try to keep people interested in a whole sermon that doesn't change the languages and that's tricky. Yeah. Um, I, th- I would think that would make you at different points think, well, maybe we should go back to this English only or Spanish only. So couple, how do you, how do you make the decision to go, you know what, we're going to make everyone uncomfortable at the same time. Yeah. couple ideas there. The first one for our leaders, we always say mission over preference. Hmm. So our mission is really the whole community and our community is bilingual. No okay. matter what yeah. it's going to be bilingual. We can raise the, Second generation or third generation just with English, but what are going to happen with the parents? So our mission is bilingual. So mission of a preference, that helped us a lot to us even to come in a humble way to, for my preference, I would do everything in Spanish. Sure. But my mission is totally. Man, I love that principle, mission over preference. I just feel like that applies. Any church has to think about that, right? Like, yeah. Because everyone's got a preference on everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times as a leader where you're trying to go, hey, mission over preference. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I think four years ago, we did one service in English and the next one bilingual. Okay, and so what, you tried it again a few yeah, years later. and we did it for a year. But what we happened at that point, it was we separated the church. Mm. All so that the, same feeling of, eh, we're yeah. splitting people up too much. And what, well, we had, yeah, the first service was in English and all the Anglos went to the first service. And the second one was just Latinos. And it was like, it's not who we really are. Hmm. And so we sacrificed a lot in that regard. But Did uh, So I imagine you noticed that as a leader, right? The leader's eyes, you're always kind of thinking yeah. about that stuff. Did people feel that also? Or did they kind of go, oh, I, you know what? I actually, this fits my preference. I kind of like this. I don't have to be around. We lost some people there. When we move again to doing bilingual, we mm-hmm. lost some people and say, well, I don't, I don't like bilingual. I could drive five minutes and there is Redemption Tempe or Redemption Gilbert across to us. But yeah. we really push a lot to say we reach, uh, we're reaching the community, our community around West Mesa and those who live around us. So yeah. that's, that's a big deal for us. Now, you earlier a moment ago said American and Mexican. Yeah. I'm guessing there's plenty of Spanish speakers that aren't Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Or is it mostly Mexican? That's my fault. Okay. We have people in a church that are from Colombia, uh, Republica Dominicana. I treat it as Mexicans, but it's my fault too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I need to be aware of that too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm not trying to call you out or anything. I just was like going, oh, is it, is it truly mostly, I mean, it probably is largely. Yeah. I would say uh, 90% Mexican. of them are Mexicans. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we were preaching through Exodus and we would have three or four chapters. Well, next and, and you guys in the preaching class, you and Chris would be like, guys, you're killing us. Right. Cause I mean, I'm thinking like, man, if I normally preach a 30 or 35 minute sermon, that means you're preaching an 18, you know, 18 minute sermon. Well, we do is try to prepare for 20 to 25. Okay. And we can go as long as like 35, 40 minutes and, uh, and the preaching. But then that's doubled. No, 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 no. With the, with well, that's the, what I mean. So if you're doing a 30-minute yeah, sermon, yeah. it's really like a 15-minute sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Well, next Sunday, I'm preaching two chapters. Nehemiah 2 and 3. Yeah, you are. Well, see. you better come up with a big idea. And <laughs> even it's helpful for the people to bring their biggest ideas and for the translation and the reading of the service to not yeah. go longer and even longer bilingual is tired for the people too so we try to just keep it like 35 40 minutes sermon and it's good yeah one of the cool things that i think is happening at west mesa is it really feels like you guys are really connecting with with youth and students tell us about that well a couple months ago we decided to invest more time and energy and resources to our youth ministry thinking that's going to be the next generation to help us to raise uh reaching our community, and it's been great, man. It's super encouraging. Uh, even the families are coming, and, and it's been a really good time. Just We came for the summer camp, and it was a bless, and I'm tired, but it was a really good time. <laughs> yeah. Really good time. Well, a few dozen students, right? We took like 27 students. So, wow, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's really awesome. And are those kids, some of them go to I mean, a bunch of different schools probably. Yeah. It's interesting. They're not... Because we're so close to Mesa High. Yeah. But not all of them go to Mesa High. They go to totally different schools. Yeah, that's how it is. I mean, just I think in most neighborhoods now, as kids just go to all all over the different place. So what do you feel like is really connecting with those youth? Uh, I would say because we're uh, spending time with them and loving them. A lot of those kids coming from families, they don't spend much time with them. Yeah. Parents are working two jobs working on Sunday too, stuff like that. So because we were spending time with them and taking time for for hearing them and listening to them and, and, and loving, I think so it makes a big difference for them. Yeah. Well, I want to couple, ask a couple more questions that I think uh, relate specifically to kind of the unique dynamic of, of both you being a co-lead pastor as well as I'd like to talk about what it's like to be the only bilingual church in yeah. a otherwise English speaking and, and in many cases, kind of a white majority church. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but first on the co-lead pastor thing. So you were for a long time, kind of an associate. Mm-hmm. How did it come about that, that you became kind of co-equal in that leadership role with, with Chris? Uh, from the beginning, I feel like we always co-lead the church, but not in titles, but people see me as a pastor too. Sure. So I feel when they told when we told the people like now Josue is still colleague pastor people like oh, yes <laughs> I already but, thought uh, he was yeah. yeah so it was not a big difference in that and I'm so grateful to have a really good relationship with Chris and work together uh, and and know our jobs they're different mm. and and so that's I would say is it's an easy one for me 
Really? Yeah. So if, if, uh, cause I talk to people sometimes who are, you know, different pastors, a lot of times from different churches and they're talking about maybe merging together and saying, well, we'll co-lead. And, um, man, I feel like I, w- I almost always say, please don't <laughs> like, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, what makes it work for you guys? I, because my story with my dad being the only pastor in the church mm. and saw how much work was for him and my family having another pastor working in the same position uh, for me felt like, no, this is right. Mm. And feel like sharing the work and sharing the burns and all that stuff. So that was easy for me to understanding and applying. And in the end, I don't want to be the only one pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like a gift to you. Yeah. It, it felt like that. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, your dad passed when he was 44. You're yeah. 44. Um, I know for my mom, her mom passed when she was 47. Mm. She said when she turned 47, it was just very odd mm-hmm. going, man, I'm, you know, I, anyway, what, what sort of, uh, what sort of things have been on your mind through this? It, it definitely been weird year with that. Uh, from the beginning of the, the, the my 44 year and, uh, thinking a lot about my dad and, and. His, his ministry and his health there. Hmm. So um, just sometimes my mind makes some tricks there and say, you're not feeling well, but I think this is my mind only. Hmm. But uh, it's been different, I would say. Yeah. But a good time for me to spend time praying. And I'm not living my dad's life. Sure. And that's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And And so... Um, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things I appreciate is whenever I've heard you talk about your dad, it's always a lot of respect, a lot of honor. It's clear that you esteemed him a great deal. Yeah. And it's also clear that you're going, I want to try to learn from the good and the not as good, but man, I wish I, I wish I could meet him. Yeah. Uh, and someday, I, <laughs> someday I will. When, uh, when I have the transition between, uh, Ponte Vida to keep it at the Broadway corridor. I got in that depression thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our, Jose Manuel, our, one of our closest friends, he told me, I have a video of your dad. You want to see it? Mm. And he was, I was 18 years old, leading for the first time worship. And my dad was preaching that day. Oh, wow. And he, he looked to me in the video and, and told me like, I'm I like proud of you. And I'm waiting what the Lord is going to do with you. Wow. So I was like, okay, God, you bring my dad's voice huh. and in a video talking to me to telling me, like, keep going. Mm. Wow. That was a very special moment. Wow. And I never want to watch the video again. That's hmm. hard. Sure. Just one time and I told the Lord, thank you for that. Wow. Do you remember that moment? I Other barely remember that moment. Yeah, you just remember But when God, when... Yeah, I saw the video. I was like, "Wow, what a gift!" Yeah, what, mm. a, what a gift! Wow, yeah. So uh, the other thing I said we want to talk about is just what it's like to be leading a bilingual congregation in an otherwise English-speaking church. Yeah. Um, and in many rooms that you're in, many leadership rooms, you're the only person or one of just a few people that uh, have English as a second language. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. Redemption West Mesa is a multi-ethnic congregation, not the only one in Redemption, um, mm-hmm. but 
you know, more of the congregations than not are majority white. Um, starting broadly, I guess, what's that like? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. One thing that I would say is I love how redemption treat myself as an, an outsider, but, but uh, at the same time, like, no, you're part of this thing mm. and you're valuable to the table. So I love that part. And, and I know we're the only bilingual right now, but I'm praying for not to be the only one. Yeah. So I hope the other redemptions can, what those redemption that are in the communities that they need it. Sure. So I, I don't see it here in Gateway having one bilingual service, maybe 10 years. I don't know. But well, it's uh, interesting because at Gateway we've, we have been, I mean, there's a growing number of Spanish speakers in this community and um, I've, talked with probably a handful of different people who are interested in wow. getting something started. I also feel like I'm not an expert in that. Yeah. So uh, we'll probably be leaning on you if, uh, if and when that time comes. But So I, I see ourselves, me and Chris, like being the first one, the pioneers of doing this thing. Sure. And be ready to help other congregations that want to do it bilingual. Yeah. And when I'm those in those meetings, you say, right, like I'm the only one who not only bilingual, but how I'm going to apply all this information to my community? Mm. How it's going to translate to my community? How I can, all this thing that I'm learning right now, how I'm going to give it to them in the best way that they can understand it too. Mm. So, but uh, definitely it's different. And <laughs> I understand that I'm different too. I understand that. and But I'm loving by God. And, yeah. and, and I love redemption a lot. I'm loving to be part of this uh, amazing church. And I love how they, love our community and support our community. That's, that's super encouraging for me. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you've, you've been gracious in private. Uh, so now we'll talk about <laughs> it in public to kind of say, Hey, you know, sometimes I don't really get to speak yeah. in these meetings because, you know, my English is improving, but uh -huh. I'm still, you know, doing some of it in my head and, and I have opinions and I have thoughts and I have input. Um, but a lot of times by the time I'm kind of ready to give it, we're on to something else. Yeah. And that's been convicting to me. Uh, that's made me, um, and you've never said it out of like trying to make me feel yeah. bad or trying to make me feel guilty, but it's made me kind of go, man, that's, that's a real loss mm -hmm. if your perspective isn't heard and isn't considered. And um, I just wonder what, what are some other things that people, you know, from a majority context yeah. might not notice that you notice? Yeah. Uh, well, we live in America and it's a very fast living here. So we don't take too much time to think about it. Just say it. And uh, it's what I'm kind of locking in the back. Like <laughs> I was in a different point, but now you guys are in a different one. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I hope people just pause a little bit and know the stories each story is different and you can learn a lot for the people that's different than, than you and me. So not just for Mexicans or Latinos, but any other culture, they, they have so much to offer, not just for the, the benefit and the wellness of the country, but from the kingdom of God. Hmm. So I would encourage everybody to just listen to stories. Don't be uh, so fast to just quit, but give it, give it a try. So tell me more, when you say not just about the culture, but also about the kingdom of God, that's intriguing to me. But I mean, what I'm hearing you say is there's things that you could learn from 
somebody just because they're from a different place and they see the world differently from being a different place. But you're saying they might actually also have some additional insights, not necessarily better insights, but just Mm -hmm. additional insights related to the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you mean? (laughs) Uh, Well, it's interesting how we see America and uh, the wellness of America. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes the gospel feels like, well, we're in this amazing country and this amazing economy. We don't need to watch the the kingdom of God coming. But when you are in a third uh, world country, that's totally different story about not... um, not expecting much of the economy, but really desire the kingdom of God. Not mm. because of the economy or the wellness of the country, but for uh, different reasons. Mm. So I don't know if I make sense what I'm saying. Yeah, like it's just maybe easier to put your hope in, yeah. in kind of your economic well-being. And, you know, it's easy to sort of go. It's easy maybe to take the Lord for granted. Yeah. And it maybe if I'm hearing you right, what That's you're right. saying is like there's people that go, hey, I don't, I don't take the Lord for granted. Yeah, I don't take any of this stuff for granted. Even last Sunday when we talked about prayer, yeah, we have a lot of stuff. Prayer is a third or four option, mm-hmm. but we don't have nothing. Prayer is your first. Sure. Step. So, uh, so one of the gifts, perhaps especially that Redemption West Mesa brings to Redemption is an instinct to pray first. Can be. Yeah. What do you think? And this is a little, this is a little weird to ask, but what are some of the other gifts that you think Redemption West Mesa brings that, uh, that redemption needs? Uh, I feel like our community is really good and making everybody feel not just part of the church, but part of the family. Mm -hmm. I had just met a lady in a church. She's been coming for a, three, four weeks. And she told me, I'm so glad to be part of this family. And she used the word family, yeah, wow. not, not church. So I feel like our community is really good to make everybody feel part of the family. And, and, and I, one of the, yeah, that's a huge gift. Yeah. Yeah. It might be that all, you know, you're, you're doing all these cookouts all the time. Oh, Totally. The it's carne asada is the best thing. Yeah, you did carne asada <laughs> on Easter, and a bunch of us lead pastors were like, "Hey, wait a minute! Yeah. I want to come! Yeah. I want to come to West Mesa on Easter." Can be also like because we don't have that many family here mm. in America. Sure, your church is your only family sometimes. Yeah, so that big need of of feel love and part of something. Sure. Uh, well, it's interesting you say that because I even think. Um, I think there's a lot of American, you know, born in America folks yeah. that that live in Phoenix but don't have family here, mm-hmm. and and could really learn that, and maybe, um, you know, maybe kind of meet that need in other ways that aren't as healthy. Yeah. But uh, man, that's a gift. So, well, Josue, this is uh, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for um, thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your um, leadership in our church. Um, your gift uh, to redemption as a whole your gift to your congregation. Yeah. You and I get to serve together as part of the management team of redemption North mountain. We're excited about that. And um, man, we're so thankful for your investment in our church and I'm glad the Lord led you here and kept you here. And uh, I know he's using you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And, and uh, it's been a blessing in this journey and still a lot to learn. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here. So, 
Awesome. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on Inside Redemption. If you have questions or if you uh, have suggestions or ideas or things you'd like to hear more about, let us know. You can email me at lukesimmons at redemptionaz.com and we'd love to hear more about it. Uh, So thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next time.